questions. Defining an initial strategy, I wouldn't first ensure that I have a solid understanding of, of three core areas. And that's really number one, market the market trends and competitive landscape. So do I understand what's happening in the market that we're looking to plan, what the customer problems are? Are there market gaps that we're looking to solve? Um, what similar offerings exist and how does our offering differentiate? The second is the target buyer and their pain points. Like, do I have an understanding of who my target buyer is, what their budget is, their motivation to buy, any purchase blockers, and what their pain points are as it relates to the problem space that our target buyer is looking to solve. And then the last is product knowledge. You know, what features and functionality are we delivering? And how does that translate into a unique value proposition and set of customer benefits? Because if you have a solid understanding of those core areas, like that's going to help define what your strategy is. But if you don't know those things, it's gonna be really difficult to get started. Welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jopper. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers to uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. In this episode, I'm joined by Priya Gill, Vice President, Product Marketing at SurveyMonkey. Priya is an accomplished marketing executive that has worked in the tech industry for over 15 years with experiences in a wide range of disciplines, including engineering, product management, finance, and marketing. Today, Priya leads their product marketing, web, growth, and localization teams, driving SurveyMonkey's go-to-market strategy, web strategy, as well as their growth and international experiences. During our chat, Priya and I discussed the core three areas product marketers need to nail in order to drive an effective go-to-market strategy. She shares her thoughts on how to invest your time wisely across those three areas and who to partner with to ensure you've developed an informed perspective on each. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Hey, Priya, how's it going? Good, how about you? Well, thank you. Super excited to have you here today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here as well and talk about all things product marketing. Yeah, let's get into it then. Uh, before we get into the, uh, the meaty bits of our conversation, I think it'd be great if you could give our listeners an overview of your career so far. Yeah, happy to do it. And I, I would say that I have a bit of an unusual background. So I actually started off my career um, in engineering and I spent almost six years in engineering and product roles before getting my MBA at UCLA and actually doing a career switch into product marketing. So going from engineering to marketing was definitely a big switch for, uh, was a bit, definitely a big switch. Um, but for me, it's been, you know, this perfect blend of technical and business side of things, which was exactly what I was looking for. Um, and it's really been an amazing and fast ride ever since. So starting at HP, getting my feet wet in product marketing uh, before transitioning over to Box, where I spent about six years in increasingly expansive roles, um, first leading the core product marketing team to eventually taking over the product growth team focused on self-serve acquisition, and then also building out their customer marketing function. Um, and then about three years ago, or actually three years today, I just celebrated my three-year anniversary at SurveyMonkey. Um, but I started here first leading their surveys business to eventually the whole product marketing team to now leading multiple functions. So I lead uh, three key marketing domains. The first is product and solutions marketing, which I think is self-explanatory. Um, the second is web strategy and growth, which is really focused on driving strategies that help us deliver a best-in-class user experience on SurveyMonkey's website. So how do we increase traffic and, and really maximize online conversions? Um, and then lastly, our global experience team, which manages initiatives for localizing products and content to cater to our international markets. Very cool. Thanks for that overview. And I've, I've got a couple of questions kind of about your experiences to date. Uh, the first one is when you decided to pursue your MBA, did you know getting into it that you wanted to pursue 
product marketing after you graduated? Or is that something that came out during your studies in conversation with other product marketers? Just curious what kind of the impetus towards pursuing a career in product marketing was. Yeah, funny enough, I had actually never heard of product marketing. So when I got my MBA, I originally actually wanted to do finance. So I I skipped over that part because it was the small little thing that I did partway through my career, but I thought I wanted to do finance. And so I actually did a summer internship at Goldman Sachs and completely hated my life during that internship. It was it was not what I expected. Um, and I realized that it just it wasn't that type of lifestyle wasn't for me. And so um, in my last year, so I did a part-time MBA, so it was a three-year program. And in my last year, I kind of went back to the drawing board and I realized, you know, I, I really loved the technical side of things and engineering, but it really, but I really wanted to marry that with the business side of things. And I had originally thought that I wanted to do product management. So I had talked to, I had a lot of uh, um, classmates who were doing product management. I talked to a lot of people about it. And I thought that that was the route that I was going to take. And it wasn't until I started to interview and started to look at um, job openings that I stumbled upon product marketing. Um, and that's when I started to realize, oh, I actually think that this might be a better fit because um, I actually love to write. Um, and there's a lot of writing and messaging and positioning involved in, in product marketing. And so um, during the interview process, ended up landing the the job at HP. And from that moment on, I realized that it was just the perfect fit with what I wanted to do and what I was really good at. That's awesome. And what I love about that answer is it's really is illustrative of why I think a lot of people consider pursuing an MBA is because it allows for that experimentation to try different things. I've, you know, I speaking personally, I know when I did my undergrad in business, I had no idea what I wanted to do for my career. And I ended yeah. up pursuing, you know, a couple of jobs that we're fulfilling, you know, economically, but not really outside of that. So I'm going yeah. back to do my MBA, just the ability to take different electives, chat with different people from different business backgrounds, and really just try and better understand what I like, but also what I didn't like, which it sounds like you got to experience firsthand with finance is a real kind of moment of clarity or a force is a bit of a forcing function to decide, okay, you know, I know what I don't like, I know what I like, this helps me kind of choose a path. Uh, and I highlight that just because I know there are a lot of product marketers out there who have considered potentially going back to pursue an MBA or even people who want to get into product marketing and see the MBA as a good kind of path towards that. Um, and, and I would encourage them to, you know, to uh, to reach out to someone such as yourself who has done an MBA to, you know, pick on your experiences and understand how you navigated that, you know, um, uh, plethora of options you have as an MBA student in terms of career paths. So thank you for sharing that. No, yeah, 100%. I think one of the interesting things when you get your MBA, when you go to school is that you are exposed to so many different amazing uh, people who've done incredible things in their career. Um, and you get to learn from them. I mean, I think that like I can't um, underscore like the networking aspect of getting your MBA and all of the different people that you meet. Um, but that was really instrumental in helping me navigate my next career path. And I know that, that was also instrumental with a lot of my peers as well. But yeah, happy to to chat with folks if they're interested in getting their MBA. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure you'll have quite a few listeners follow up with you and, and pick your brain, as I said. Cool. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was about your experience at SurveyMonkey so far. And you mentioned that, you know, first, congrats on the three years, big milestone. Um, at, at the same time, you mentioned that you've more recently taken on those additional teams. Was there any particular reason why a product marketer was selected to lead those teams? Or was it just, you know, your own kind of um, performance at the org that someone tapped you or that you pursued the opportunity yourself? Just curious if you could provide some more context as to why product marketing felt like the right function to not necessarily take ownership, but to help guide those teams forward. 
Yeah, I know it seems very unusual. You don't typically see, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't typically see a product marketing leader also tasked with some of these other functions. Usually, I do think it's it's more of the I would say it's probably more of the latter, um, which is just based off of performance. I think that I had established myself as a as a critical leader within the organization, and you know, given some of the challenges that we were experiencing in those specific orgs, the the leadership team um, at the time felt that I would be the right choice. But I think it really comes down to, you know, when I joined the company and a lot of the transformation that happened with the product marketing team that I think really led to that. And, you know, when I think about, you know, like the product marketing team and the impact that they can have, it's really about ensuring that I focus the team on the on four core areas. Um, and one is really around like product, right? Which is like a given, like driving the market success of our product portfolio by really ensuring that we have strong product market fit, differentiated messaging and positioning and a pricing and packaging model that really makes sense and resonates with the customers. Um, and the second area is really focusing on demand. So driving demand of our products by um, supporting those strategic marketing plans that really help to cement industry authority for the company, help to build brand awareness, and of course, pipeline growth. Um, that we focus on the go-to-market team. So driving revenue and retention by empowering our sellers and our customer success teams with those content and narratives that are needed to support the customer journey and sales cycle. Um, and then finally, the customer. So help drive expansion revenue and adoption by supporting engagement and growth initiatives for existing customers that drive retention and advocacy. And all of this is really powered by a deep knowledge of our core markets, our customers and competitors. And I think that's really key because if you make it so that you're the because really at the end of the day, like we're the only company, the only team in the company who has that deep understanding of the market landscape, our target buyers and their pain points, our products in a way that's just secondary to the product org and the competitive landscape. And when you marry all of that together to inform strategic decisions for the organization, um, especially in those four core areas, you end up becoming indispensable to the organization. And so by transforming the team to really focus in those four core areas to really help drive impact, strategic impact in a very meaningful way is really what propelled, I would say, not only myself, but my team to become indispensable to the organization and how all of these other um, parts of the, the marketing function ended up coming into my organization because of all of that success and that knowledge that I had that I was then able to impart to other parts of the team. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. It sounds like a combination of right person, right place, right time, because obviously, as you said, speaks a lot to your own performance uh, within the org, but also just product marketing being at the center of so many different teams and having an understanding of those four areas that you alluded to. That was just kind of the perfect combination that led to this opportunity. So thanks for sharing that. And we'll get into those core areas in a bit more detail and how they you know, inform and can support an effective go-to-market strategy. But before we do... Because you've had such great experiences at some well-known companies, like you mentioned HP, Box, and now SurveyMonkey, I'm curious, how would you say product marketing has differed to each of those organizations, if at all? Yeah, they're actually very different. So when I joined HP, this was before that they split from um, into HP Consumer and HP Enterprise. It was a huge company. They had over 160,000 employees. And when you work at a large company like that, product marketing roles tend to become very hyper-specialized. It's not always the case, but in my experience, I've seen that to be the case. So you'll have one person who's like slowly focused on a, an aspect of sales enablement and training or one focused to oh, one per person who's like solely focused on product versus being a full stack product marketer, which I find is more common at smaller companies. 
companies. So when I was at HP, it was very specialized product marketing functions. But when I joined Box, it was really when I first experienced what it was like to be a full stack PMM who owned everything. And I really loved that. I joined Box when it was around a little over a thousand employees. So very big difference from 160,000 to a thousand, but it was fast paced. You wore multiple hats and you jumped in where you were needed. Uh, but that was also almost 10 years ago. And product marketing really wasn't as well known, I would say, as it is today. Um, back then, I remember having to spend a lot of my time educating my product counterparts on the value of PMM and why they should be bringing us in earlier in the product development uh, uh, life cycle versus like six weeks prior to launching something, which I feel is like a pain point that at some point in your career, you're, you're likely to experience. Uh, but we eventually got there, but PMM wasn't as understood as it is today. And there was a lot of work that was done to build it into a strategic function that supports multiple areas of the business. And that's something that I know is still an issue at many companies like at SurveyMonkey, which I had mentioned, like some of the transformation. I noticed the same thing while the company and the cross-functional partners understood the value of PMM. My team, and, and that was evident by the size of the PMM team, especially in comparison to Box. I think it was like two to it's about three X, I think the size, even though they were substantially smaller, but my team was largely order takers for the business doing whatever was asked of them. Um, versus a strategic arm for the business who really influenced strategies and decisions like the marketing team, product, sales, CS, et cetera. So a lot of transformation that happened in my first year. Um, and as I had mentioned before, now they're one of the most highly regarded teams at the company. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you for sharing that because I think it's, like you said, so illustrative of how different product marketing can be at companies of different size, in different spaces, and just generally in level of maturity of awareness and understanding of the value that product marketing can drive. And I think your most recent example of, of SurveyMonkey is really illustrative of the fact that just because there's a big product marketing team doesn't necessarily guarantee that the purpose of that team is clearly defined, or at least at the level that you think, or we know as product marketers, it can drive in terms of value. Um, and I say that because, you know, for listeners who are exploring, making, maybe moving into another product marketing role at a different org, I think the advice is just don't assume because there's more than one product marketer or there's a large team that everyone in the org understands product marketing. Um, it's always important to ask those questions during interviews to, to understand, hey, what is product marketing responsible for? What kind of value are they expected to deliver? And your comment around, you know, if they're just order takers, if that's the kind of role that you're looking for, great. But if, you know, you're a product marketer who understands that product marketing can do so much more than that, then that should be a bit of a red flag. Um, and, and it sounds like, you know, you were a big part of forming that transformation at SurveyMonkey. And, and on that note, I'm just curious, like, what... What did that process look like? Like, what were the sorts of things that you had to do to kind of change the internal perspective away from product marketing just being seen as order takers to the strategic function that it has grown into today? Yeah, I would say that the first, I mean, there's a, a few parts to it, but one is educating the team. Um, I think the interesting part about the team that I inherited at SurveyMonkey was that a lot of them had joined SurveyMonkey doing product marketing for the very first time, and they didn't know any better. Um, and so that was very unusual. I hadn't experienced something like that before. So there was some education that I had to do on the, that I had to do with the team itself to level set them in terms of what the expectations are for their roles uh, and some changes that needed to be made in terms of roles and responsibilities. So I started with the team first before I then started to move towards cross-functional partners. Um, so, you know, like you've got your core teams, right? Like the, I call it the trifecta, but you have like the marketing team, you have sales, but I call it go-to-market because it's, it's usually either a combination of like sales and CS, or if you're a smaller organization that doesn't have CS yet, then it's sales and then product, right? So 
if you're able to build really strong relationships with these three um, teams and you're able to articulate the like the value that we can deliver to those teams, because each of them are trying to drive very specific goals within their organization, right? Like if you're a product team, you care a lot about product adoption. If you're sales, you're trying to ensure that you have strong win rates to, to help drive revenue and close deals. And then on the marketing side, especially on the pipeline creation side, you know, the demand gen team cares a lot about that, right? And so it's all about what is it that our teams, because I'm a strong believer that we are a critical, critical part of helping to drive all of those different metrics for those business. Um, and we can be a key partner to each of these teams. And so it's really coming to them to show them and articulate to them the value that we can deliver and what we can do to help them achieve their goals uh, that I think is what is what really helps here. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And thank you so much for sharing. And we'll, we'll get into this idea of metrics, because I, I like how you kind of framed it as product marketing, really being able to support each of those teams and achieving their own metrics. And I'll, I'll pick your brain a bit later about metrics that essentially product marketing should potentially own, um, if not co-own directly. But before I do, I want to get into kind of the main topic of our conversation today. And that's, uh, you know, running an effective uh, go-to-market strategy. And whenever a product marketer takes on a go-to-market project, whether it be defining the initial strategy or executing on an existing one, I think there's always this bit of like, wow, this is going to be a lot of work. Where do I even start? So with such a big project ahead of them, where do you recommend a product marketer start? Yeah, I would say that my, my answer would be different depending on whether or not they're defining the initial strategy or they're executing an existing one. So I'll split out, I'll split my answer into two. So if it's defining an initial strategy, I wouldn't first ensure that I have a solid understanding of, of three core areas. And that's really number one, market the market trends and competitive landscape. So do I understand what's happening in the market that we're looking to plan, what the customer problems are? Are there market gaps that we're looking to solve? Um, what similar offerings exist and how does our offering differentiate? The second is the target buyer and their pain points. Like, do I have an understanding of who my target buyer is, what their budget is, their motivation to buy, any purchase blockers, and what their pain points are as it relates to the problem space that our target buyer is looking to solve. And then the last is product knowledge. Now, what features and functionality are we delivering and how does that translate into a unique value proposition and set of customer benefits? Because if you have a solid understanding of those core areas, like that's going to help define what your strategy is. But if you don't know those things, it's going to be really difficult to get started. Now, if you're already executing on an existing one, then the thing that I would ask myself is, well, do I have all of the core components defined for my go-to-market plan? Like, are those mapped out? So for example, do I have launch goals defined um, so that myself and my cross-functional partners know how success will be measured? Do I know what the launch tier um, and customer impact is, if it's applicable, which really helps stakeholders know the level of involvement that will be um, involved in this type of launch, the volume of launch activities and the impact of the launch on the market um, and to existing cu customers? Again, do I have a solid understanding of the market and competitive landscape, such as what are the market trends and who are the top players that we need to be keeping an eye out on? Um, the, the product and pricing overview, do I know, you know, like what we're launching and how much it costs, what's included, et cetera. So I think that there are a handful of things that, you know, if you have an existing plan that you need to make sure you have in short, in, to ensure that you're going to have a successful, um, you know, go to market plan that you can ex execute on and, and feel confident about. 
Yeah. And what I love about that is it those three areas help take something as kind of big and scary as go to market and, and kind of chunks them into manageable pieces that you can then further break down and actually go out and tackle and find, you know, the missing pieces of information that you need to paint that bigger picture. So I appreciate you framing it like that. And I'm, I'm curious when you are, you know, developing that go-to-market strategy internally, are you using those same kind of core areas almost like, I don't know, framework's the right word, but when you're basically, you know, going on a roadshow internally, are you presenting that information under those three core areas as well? So everybody internally kind of aligns to those as well, or is it just how you internally kind of, you know, strategize and think, and then you share it differently outwards? No, I would say it's, it's both. Um, so it's, it's how I internal internalize it and then leverage that to define the strategy. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that my cross-functional partners are aware. So I think one of the things sometimes that I find product marketers miss, especially with a large product launch is bringing your cross-functional partners along with you on the journey. You want them to know what you know. You want them to be excited about launching this into the market. And in order to do that, they need to have the same level of knowledge that you do. I think sometimes we forget that they're hungry for that same information. Um, so, you know, putting that into a digestible format that's easy for cross-functional partners to understand, I think is, is critical, but I think it's absolutely something that's necessary. Yeah, and I think it's critical and also arguably one of the biggest challenges, because I know in product marketing, you know, we love information and we love distilling that down into meaningful insights to inform a strategy. And then oftentimes I know, you know, I've been guilty of it in my career as well, is then you go and kind of roadshow that internally and you almost give too much information and you, you start to lose people because they're like, okay, well, this is great. I, I, thank you for showing your homework, but like, why should I care about this? Or what does this mean for me in my specific role? And I think it's striking that balance between showing that you know what you're talking about. And again, like showing the homework, but also doing it in, like you said, a digestible way that the people who are listening understand what they need to take away from that information to make you know their execution of the strategy that much more effective. So it's that delicate balance of showing you know what you're talking about and not giving too much that you lose people. Um, how have you you know navigated that and struck that balance? Any any tips you might be able to share or or any stories you could share about how you've had to kind of like you know walk that that fine line? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where you, I, at least I always like less is more, right? Like if they are interested in learning more, I tend to link out to like, I mean, PMMs are a big fan of frameworks. So you've got your messaging and positioning frameworks, you've got persona frameworks, like there's all these things, right? That if people are interested in learning more, you can link out to, but I usually try not to take more than like a single slide per section, right? So like a single slide to talk about the market landscape, a single slide to talk about the competitive landscape, like keep it short and sweet, but just enough that they get the gist of it. And really what I try to focus on is yeah, why do they care, right? Why is this going to be important for the business? How are they going to play a huge role in making this a, a huge success for the business and that the company really cares about it? And so I completely agree with you. I think it's making sure you frame it in such a way that, you know, understanding why this is important, not only for the team, but for the business is really how we can help bring them along the journey um, and keeping it short and sweet, but then linking out to the plethora of frameworks that I know that, that a, a PMM will likely have because we're very diligent. Um, and that, yeah, that if people want to learn more, which I find there are people who do that they can peruse that on their own time. Yeah, we like you said, we we love a good framework. And and, and in the spirit of, of of less is more, it's a provides a nice segue to my next question. You know, oftentimes product marketers feel like they have less time than they need and they would, would always love more of it. Uh, you know, we know that product marketers tend to be spread fairly thin because there's always too much to do and not enough time to do it. 
Um, and I think that's even more true when you're operating as a team of one. So, you know, oftentimes as a result, we've got to invest our time wisely. So with that being said, if a product marketer had to pick where to invest their time across those core areas you referenced earlier, where would you suggest they focus most to ensure maximum output with minimum resources, uh, specifically time? Yeah, I would say hands down, understanding the customer. Uh, I mean, it's uh, not to say that understanding market direction, competitive, competitive landscape are not important. They absolutely are. But if you're limited on time, my go-to is always focusing on the customer. Um, in my mind, it's just really difficult to have an effective go-to-market strategy or even effective messaging and positioning if you don't know who your target buyer is and what they care about. It's just it just makes your job that much harder. And I think that you can forego the other two um, if you have to, but you can't forego not understanding the customer. I think that it's just absolutely critical. I would focus 100 percent my time there. I think that's some fantastic advice. And it's interesting, though, because I'd argue that it's almost a bit of a catch 22 as well, because of the three that tends to be, I think, the area that takes the most time and is the hardest to get really good at understanding because it often involves robust surveying, conversations, maybe doing on-sites or just having multiple interactions with customers or seeking out third-party research or maybe conducting your own research. Um, whereas the other two, you, you, you can, for the most part, get you know in, through independent research where you don't necessarily have to rely on, on anyone else. Now, it might not be as robust as if you were looping in other support, but it's, I, I agree with you 100% that yes, if you only have a limited time, customers is where you should focus the bulk of it. But it is just unfortunate that also tends to be one of the hardest areas to get really good insights from. It's just the, the curse of being a product marketer, right? It, the, what you need to be most effective is often the hardest to, to get at. But I think, you know, we talked about earlier, showing you know what you're talking about. If you invest time and effort to getting those insights and understanding the customer to the level you need to drive an effective go-to-market strategy, people will take what you're saying more seriously and with more weight. And it kind of makes up for potentially not a lack of understanding of the other two areas, but maybe not as much much depth. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think one of the things that I've always like given as advice is, you know, try to don't always strive for perfection. Sometimes you're going to go into, especially if you're stretched for time. And I experienced this at Box. Um, there have been instances where I had to go into a, a launch, not 100% knowing everything that there was to know about the customer, but kind of knowing enough um, through, you know, like third party research, right? Like I like went on Google and did what I could to understand um, as much as I could about what I perceived was most likely the customer, even though I knew the 100% that might, it might not be, uh, you know, exactly what I want. Um, exactly where I wanted my knowledge level to be. But it's one of those things too, where, yeah, don't, don't, don't become a victim of perfection because the, the reality is that you could do a ton of research and still get it wrong. You won't know sometimes until you launch it out there. And so if it turns out that you don't have that much time, do as much as you can to get, get it to a level where you're comfortable and then iterate fast follows. Like I, it, it doesn't have to be the end all be all. I think sometimes we feel that way, especially when you're doing a big product launch or you're executing on this, on this go-to-market strategy, it has to be absolutely perfect. But really a lot of the work is like after launch, right? You're going to learn a lot. You're going to continue to iterate. You're going to, you know, launch new features and functionality. So um, I, I mean, I've been victim of this, like it had to be absolutely perfect. And then I realized time and time again, that it didn't even matter. Like so there were so many times that where we still got it wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would just say, don't, don't fall victim to perfection. Like sometimes just enough is good enough. 
Yeah, you're right. It's one of those times where we should take a page out of our fellow product managers books and just get something out the door and, and, and learn and iterate on and improve for the next time. Or like you said, maybe go back after launch and make improvements where you can and not let perfection be the enemy of, of good enough. Um, so yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. Thanks for sharing. So on a similar note of, you know, not having enough time um, to do everything that's possibly, you know, being asked of us as product marketers, I think sometimes we're asked for more than we can possibly deliver. And, you know, I think this is uh, often the case when it comes to predicting kind of where the market is he uh, headed. It's almost like we're asked to be, you know, pseudo fortune tellers. Um, you know, we're asked, what's the market going to look like two, three, four or five years from now? And that's hard for any one person um, or even just a handful of people to predict with any accuracy. Um, you know, and if you get it wrong, the repercussions can be severe. So how do you suggest a product marketer go about defining that direction and who should they look to partner with internally or externally to come to an informed and well-rounded perspective? Yeah, I said, I would say that there are usually two sets of people that I speak with before attempting to articulate where, you know, like a point of view on where the market is headed. And first is usually talking to analysts like that's that's typically my go to if it's available. So it's usually a combination of the big three. So Forrester, Gartner and or IDC, um, because they talk to thousands of leaders in all disciplines and they usually have a wealth of information that helps me narrow down my focus. But I also recognize not everyone has access to anal analysts because um, they tend to be quite expensive. And really, the next best thing after that are analyst reports. Um, some are available for free, and there are others that you have to pay for, but usually the it, it's like for a nominal fee, so it's not too crazy expensive. The second group are customers, and I know you mentioned this before, it can be a little bit lengthy, it can take quite a bit of time. Um, but if you're able to do it, I mean, that's usually my, my second go-to, and it's specifically, I try to target leaders. Um, so these are people that are ideally VP+, plus, but also senior director+, plus. if you're able to get access to them, because they're usually the ones that are thinking three plus years ahead for their own business. Um, and you can start spotting trends and things that are top of mind for them that can also be applicable for, for the business that you're currently in. Um, and then the other thing that I've started to look at more recently are, are AI tools like ChatGPT, but I would caution using it as the sole source because it can be inaccurate. But I have found that it's helpful in providing some some perspective and focus, especially if you've already done the first two, um, because it, it yeah it can just really help focus things. Um, but in terms of who I would partner with, um, it's really the product team. It, it kind of has to be right. Like they are the ones in charge of bringing that multi-year product vision to life. And it's the role of PMM to help influence what that looks like armed with that market and customer intelligence. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You're right. Like product is often asked to kind of build that vision and it tends to be three, five years, sometimes longer. So if you can get really bought into the vision that they're that they've crafted or even be so fortunate as to partner with them on defining it, it's just going to make that you know, level of insight into where the entire org thinks the the market is headed that much clearer. Um, so I think that's some fantastic advice. Or sometimes you might be the one to blow it up. So <laughs> true, true. I was going to ask if you've ever had experiences where, you know, product has presented a vision and you maybe as a product marketer have had to respectfully say, I disagree. Um, so feel free to share what you can if you're if you're able to, if not totally understand. But I, I, I'm curious if that's ever been the case in your career. That was actually when I when I joined SurveyMonkey, and I think that's part of the reason why I had such a fast rise and why I was able to showcase so quickly the value of product marketing. So when I joined the company, they had actually moved more towards a solution. I mean, I'll try to get into as much detail that makes it 
easy to understand, but not too much where it's like, okay, what are you even talking about now? So um, they they were planning to go down a route where they wanted the, the, the product team wanted to focus on launching solutions. Um, and one of the things that I uncovered, which I, you know, what I do anytime I join the company is I try, I went after those first three core areas, right? I needed to understand what's happening in the market landscape, what's going on with competitors. I wanted to understand our own product, our target buyers, et cetera. So I focused on those, on those core three things. And it became very apparent to me once I did that, that going down that route was not the right path. The reason why we were doing it is because we were essentially copying the competition, which was Qualtrics at the time. Um, and I think that Qualtrics did a really good job of PR and you know highlighting the things that um, they believed were gonna be great to, to showcase to the market, even though that may not be what's really driving their revenue and their success. And so um, it was one of those things where I put together what I believed we should be focusing on, was which was actually not going down that path and that strategy. And, and I you know, talked to a lot of my um, partners in engineering, product leadership, engineering leadership, design leadership, marketing leadership, um, really ensuring that they understood this point of view, backed by all of the data that I had uncovered and what they all realized too was that I was absolutely right, presented this, presented this to the executive team and we actually scrapped that entire strategy and started over. Um, so that was one of, that was like a clear, clear example of how taking that, you know, the market, not like we are the sole team, right? That has that, that can combine market knowledge, customer intelligence, competitive intelligence together to help formulate and help influence the strategy for the company. And I think that that was a really clear example of how that was done. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. First of all, thank you for, yeah, giving such a, such a clear example of something that happened so recently. Uh, you know, oftentimes it's hard for our product marketers to be able to articulate you know, those, those real world examples without giving away too much. So, so thank you for sharing. Um, you know, the other thing that I'll say is, you know, good on you for, you know, being a new hire, stepping into a new role at a new organ and being willing to, um, challenge kind of the direction, uh, and, and gathering the information and putting in the work to, to frame that formed opinion. I don't know if there's many product marketers who would, you know, be brave enough to do that. So, so hats off to you. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that decision was, um, well received, or at least that's sorry, your recommendation was well received. And it ultimately, you know, steered the, the company uh, back into a direction that everybody felt more com confident in. Um, and the other thing that I found interesting about that story is, I think oftentimes, not just as product marketers, but really anybody within an org, it, it is very easy to just look at what the competition is doing and, and thinking like, well, like, they're obviously good at their job, they got to where they are. So like, maybe they know something that we don't, or maybe they're like, just better at this than we are. So we should just do what they're doing. And it's, it's, it's hard to get out of that mindset sometimes, especially if your competition is perceived to be the leader. Um, so yeah, I, I thank you for highlighting that. Cause I think it's something that product marketers can very, very easily fall victim to. I know, I know I've, I've done it myself as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's hard to kind of break out of that, that framework. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like I, not to say that I wasn't nervous. I definitely was, but one of the ways in which I've typically handled it, handled this in the past is slowly getting buy-in. Right. So I started with one person where, um, I started to see some cracks form in terms of their per perspective on um, the strategy and some of the doubts that they had. And I essentially exploited that. So started with one person, got buy-in. Then the two of us then went after went after another person within the organization. It kind of built from there until I had a coalition. And then once I, fe once I felt that I had a strong coalition across multiple functions and disciplines within the company is when I then felt comfortable to take it to the executive team. Because 
because once I had the backing of the actual product team of engineering, sales, custom, you know, all the teams were essentially behind this plan, it became a lot easier. And I felt a lot more confident when I went to the executive team to say, like, hey, I know I'm new here. And this is the, you know, and this is the decision that's been made. And there was a lot of research and insight that went into it into this. But let me explain to you why I think that this is the wrong direction for the company. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a lot harder to go to the exec team or senior leadership team as a team of one or just one person and say, hey, I think we're making a mistake versus going as a united front with, especially if you can get the buy-in from the people who formed the original strategy to, to kind of realize that they may have made a, a, some some misinformed decisions previously that, that that obviously makes that conversation, I would imagine, that much easier to have. Um, so that's some good advice for anyone looking to maybe challenge the, the status quo at their own org or maybe some recent decisions on company direction. Yeah. All right. All right. So, you know, we talked about this earlier, so I want to revisit it. You know, a lot of my guests, especially recently, have come on to talk about the pressure being put on product marketers to show results for their efforts, specifically quantifiable results. And as we both know, sometimes it could be challenging to associate qualitative outputs like positioning and messaging to that quantifiable impact. So how do you go about measuring product marketing impact? And what metrics do you think product marketers should have accountability for, if not outright ownership of? Yeah, I think the challenge which you've already alluded to is that PMMs typically, you know, primarily influence a lot of core metrics or they support the teams that drive impact towards specific KPIs versus outright owning them. Um, and in my mind, there are three metrics that I primarily look at that my team influences, but doesn't necessarily drive or own directly. Um, the first one is pipeline and or booking. So that's depending on whether you're a demand gen led or a product growth led um, company or both, which is the case of SurveyMonkey. Um, the second is win rates, which is through like sales enablement and content creation from the product marketing team. Um, and the third is product adoption, which is primarily through growth efforts and partnership with product. And, and from my perspective, like when I think back on my product marketing career, I would say I've never had an issue with not having direct accountability for these metrics. But at the same time, I always make sure, and I mentioned this earlier, that I partner with the teams who do own and are held accountable to those metrics that I mentioned. So for, exa for example, demand gen teams typically own pipeline goals for marketing, sales owns win rate um, and book in um, revenue goals, um, product owns product adoption goals. So really it's key for us, a PMM, to have strong, to have these strong relationships with these teams and to be clear about what we plan to do to support them in achieving those goals. So when the time comes, they won't hesitate to say that PMM was indispensable to them in achieving their goals. Yeah, I think that's some phenomenal advice. And you know what I've seen work really well at certain orgs that I've worked at is actually having those partner teams come and do, you know, if product marketing does a quarterly business review or you know, a monthly review, it's having representatives from those teams come and speak on not on behalf of their teams to say, hey, this is how product marketing specifically helped me. This these are the metrics that we drove together. Um, so that there's this kind of sense of like, again, this united front, but also people I think tend to put more weight into the team that owns a metric saying that this is this was the impact and product marketing just speaking on that team's behalf to say like oh yeah we helped them do this it's like well no this person's actually coming from this team to say how product mar marketing helped them specifically and they're they believe in that support enough to come and actually talk about it and answer questions about it potentially from whoever's in the audience so um yeah i think if you can forge those strong relationships it just makes that argument or connection to the influencing those those metrics that much stronger mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, well, Priya, listen, this has been such a fantastic conversation. We've gone to all things go to market and then some. So I thank you so much for your time today and, and you know, giving us 
some really great examples, um, especially most recently of, you know, how you've navigated go to market, um, you know, coming into a new org, challenging the status quo. So I, I can't thank you enough for sharing those insights. Um, before I let you go, I do want to ask you uh, my final question is when I ask all my guests. And that's what's an area of focus in the realm of product marketing that you think product marketers will have to pay extra attention to, let's say this year or sorry, next year, because this year's almost over um, than they would have had to in previous years. Yeah, one of the things that I've even had my team pay more attention to this year is just how they can leverage AI to help accelerate the work that they do. I think I know that AI is like this buzzword thing that's been really accelerated this year, especially when ChatGPT launched. And I know all these other companies are coming out with their own versions, but I've really seen it help accelerate the work that the team is doing, not necessarily doing the work for them, obviously, but you know, how does it help simplify some of the research that they're doing? Or how does it help simplify the creation or the starting of some of their frameworks or their blogs for their launches? Um, I think it's helped my team in a lot of different ways. Now, we have a lot of we have a lot of very, very strict rules, I would say, at SurveyMonkey in terms of how we're able to use them. But I think that there's going to there's just going to be a plethora of tools. I mean, I, we've already seen a lot of that this year, and I just see that accelerating in the years to come. And so just being on top of that and how we can leverage a lot of these tools and these resources to our advantage to really help accelerate our work, um, you know, to help increase our velocity, our throughput is where I really see um, AI in particular being impactful for product marketing in an area that I know my team is keeping an eye on um, and has kept an eye on this year, but also going into next year. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think you're you're seeing that kind of born true and even just the emergence of AI built tools exclusively for product marketers. I, I think of, you know, Ignition um, that Derek Osgood is, is building, um, as well as I know Jess Petrella has her AI for product marketing resource. And I'm sure there's many others that that I'm missing, but it does feel like, you know, insert AI tool for role is becoming a thing. And you're right. It's not necessarily to replace core aspects of, of those functions, maybe for, for some to a degree, but for product marketing, I think less so. It's more how can those tools help enrich the work or, or support the work that product marketing is driving, or even just act as a, a place to start from. You know, I think a lot of times because product marketers have so much on their plate, often like the just getting started problem tends to rear its ugly head. It's like, oh, where do we even start? And, and I have found that. Um, AI uh, and tools like ChatGPT and some of the ones I mentioned can just be a good place or a good tool to help kind of like point you in the right direction or at least start the thinking. And then you can then go build on that with more thorough research or, or work after the fact. Yeah, 100%. I think the other side of, of AI or the flip side of it is that because there are these plethora of tools that are starting to launch into the market, like keep an eye on what's happening in the competitive landscape, because I think emerging players used to creep up at a slower pace. And I think that we're going to see a pretty massive acceleration going into next year, that it's going to be just an area that we're, we're going to have to keep our eyes on and focused on, I think, in a, in a bigger way than we likely have in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. Well, awesome. Again, Priya, this has been such a great conversation. You know, if anybody listening wanted to reach out to you, ask you questions about, uh, you know, go to market, the core, the core areas I referenced earlier, or just generally kind of understand more about what you and the team are doing at SurveyMonkey, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, typically LinkedIn. I, I've ha I've done other podcasts like this in the past, and I've had folks who reached out to me on LinkedIn, and I'm usually ha happy to answer any questions that folks have. 
Fantastic. Well, hopefully some listeners reach out with questions because I know you've shared a lot and there's a lot of good stuff for listeners to dig into afterwards. So again, thank you so much for your time today, Priya. It's been a great, uh, great conversation. Yeah, it was, it was great chatting with you as well. I really, really appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot to an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.